We're going to be in John chapter 4 again today. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to John chapter 4. And uh, just as the video announcements pointed out there, we do have Easter coming up in a couple weeks, uh, which is just exciting. Um, I love Easter, and uh, it's always such an uh, amazing Sunday uh, just to celebrate Jesus, to point to what he's done, and just uh, scream Jesus from the rooftops. But it's also an amazing opportunity because people want to hear the story of Jesus. They want to understand the story of Jesus. Even if there's some opposition in their hearts and their minds against it, there's something in the way of tradition, there's something in the way of just, I'm supposed to, that people show up to Easter services when they don't come to church otherwise, and it's an opportunity for us just to be a part of what God's doing in their life as he's calling them and wooing them into his love. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage you as your pastor to do everything you can to encourage and to invite people. And so today as you're leaving service, go out and you can grab uh, some... Uh, um, what do we call those things? Reach cards. There you go. That's the word. Um, I'm struggling today. It's going to be bad. I need you. I need you. Uh, but uh, reach cards, you can grab those on your way out. It's got information for both of our campuses. Don't hesitate to invite people to Newport News Campus, even if you come to Williamsburg, right? And uh, any Newport News people that are in here this morning, don't invite. Don't hesitate to invite people to Williamsburg, if, even if you live in Newport News. We just believe that God's doing something special here, and we want people to be a part of it. So I want you to go crazy inviting people to church. Uh, Easter, it's an easy one. It's a gimme, all right? You get 50 other one weeks of the year. It's a little bit tough. Maybe 50 because Christmas can be a little easier. But this one, just go for it and see what God does and invite people to church. You guys with me on that? All right, good stuff. All right. Well, hey, so uh, we started a sermon series last week called uh, The Elephant in the Room. And uh, it's just an exciting um, uh, message. I've just been excited about it, studying uh, for this. has been so much fun. It's one of those messages uh, I, I've, I've had something I've been wanting to do for a little bit. And uh, God kind of led us in a different direction. And then one morning I was praying, or one I was sleeping. I wasn't praying. I wasn't being spiritual. I was sleeping. Uh, I was Sleeping could be spiritual too. You guys with me on that, right? So I was sleeping. It was early in the morning. It was like three something in the morning. All of a sudden, I just woke up and I just felt like God was speaking to me. And I just had this idea. And so I emailed our leadership team. I was like, what do you guys think? Is this like bad pizza or do you think this is a good idea? And they're like, you know, I think we should do this. And we've been talking about it and I've been studying. I've just been excited for what God is talking to us about and talking to me about. And, and really, um, this whole thing is just, it's just a, a, a sermon, just not just for us as a church, but for us as followers of Christ. And also, too, for us to engage in a conversation with people that we know that are followers of Christ that are outside of our church. They're part of the capital C church. They're part of the big church. That there's something that, uh, for us as Christians that there's some things that we need to talk about that we've kind of ignored and we've kind of just let set there. And, and that's affecting the way that we're living our lives. Just so you know, just a heads up too, um, like I said, we, so we're going to be doing this this week and next week, and then the week after that, we've got Easter, um, which is just going to be awesome, and then uh, we're going to be jumping in to 1 Peter. We've got Mother's Day somewhere in there, I believe, um, and then we've got uh, another sermon series that Pastor Fred and I are going to be doing together called um, Excess, or I don't know, what, we haven't landed on what we're going to call it yet, but that's what it's about is Excess, and uh, just talking about different things that we just allow into our lives, whether it's overworking, overeating, uh, just those types of things. So it's going to be good and confrontational and convicting, so you're going to want to be here for it. Um, so that's kind of where, where we are going. So last week, uh, to kind of frame this week's conversation and kind of catch everybody up that if you weren't here, you could be a part of today in a little bit deeper way, is, is um, when we were talking about the elephant in the room last week, we were in John chapter 4 as well, and this is the story of Jesus meeting with the woman at the well. And 
We look at the story, and I know for me as a follower of Christ and somebody who's grown up in church, I've always looked at the story a certain way, and, and I've always found it to be an interesting story, but it has never really been a deep, impacting story. It's just kind of one of those passing stories for me. It's just like, oh, that's cool. Jesus really did that. And, and, and we kind of just looked at it, and there's some things that I felt like just in studying and, and reading and listening, there's some things and perspectives that I hadn't heard. And, and, so, and so God was just really kind of shaping me up. And the first elephant that we talked about last week that I felt like we could pull from this story was the if only elephant. And that's what we named it was if only. That we can go through our lives and we can just look at things and we can say, if only, and we know what that phrase can mean for each and every one of us. There's a couple funny ones that we found on the internet. There was one I, I was laughing at the best. I thought this was awesome. It was like, if only mosquitoes sucked fat instead of blood, right? So there's this, like, that would just be awesome. Life would be so different if, if things like that were true. Yeah, you just eat Krispy Kreme donuts and walk outside in the summer and be good. That would be amazing. It, it's a, there's these if only statements that we have sometimes that whether they're, whether they're just kind of in jest and kind of funny or they're in reality, they're heavy, that we, we carry the sense of if only, and we put this something in the blank, and it becomes a reason or an excuse as to why we're not participating in something or why we're stepping back from something. It limits our involvement, good or bad, because we say if only. And we look at this woman at the well, and she, in her story, this, we, many of you know it well, and if you don't know it, she was a Samaritan, and, and Jesus was a Jew, and he's traveling with a group of teenage, early 20-something Jewish boys, and they're going into Samaria. Now, the reality is, is that, that Samaria was in between um, Judea and Galilee, and so they were going to Galilee, and, and the upper echelon of Jews, the really good Jewish people, they wouldn't go through Samaria because Samaria was like those people. They just wouldn't go through there. It was, it was one of the things the Jewish people, the leaders, believed that if they were around sin, that the sin would just touch them and they would become sinful. So they would go out of their way, instead of going straight across, they would go out of their way to avoid Samaria to get to Galilee. Jesus was heading to Galilee, and he went straight for Samaria. And that's why we love Jesus, and that's the life that he's lived. And, and, and Jesus goes straight for Samaria. And he's got these young Jewish men with him, and as they're going into Samaria, Samaria, the, Jesus comes up to this place and, and he goes and tells his disciples, he's like, hey, why don't you guys go get some lunch? And as we all know, early 20, late teenage boys love to eat. So they're imaginably excited. And so they run off to go get some Subway and, uh, you know, and they're just happy. And, and so they're off on their way to go get lunch. And Jesus walks up to this well and the Samarian woman is standing at the well and Jesus begins to talk to her. Now, this is a massive story, one that we always acknowledge because it's huge, just in the sense that Jews did not talk to Samaritans. On top of that, men did not talk to women. And then on top of that, some things that we looked at and some things we talked about is, is that she was at this well at noontime in the middle of the day. Now, you didn't customarily go to the well in the middle of the day because it was the hottest. It would be the hardest time to draw the water and all those things. She's there at the well at noon because she doesn't want to be seen or be around anybody. She's there because she's trying to isolate herself from the world. And so you're standing there looking at the situation where she's not wanting to be around anybody. And now she's got this Jewish man talking to her. Her mind is blown. She's like, I don't know what's going on here. This is what, what in the world's taking place. And Jesus begins to speak to her. And as he speaks to her, he begins to reveal some things that changes her life, changes the whole town's life, and begins to set the gospel on fire in his ministry for what he's going to do. 
And at the same time, it reveals to us things that we can look at and these if-onlys that we could bring up and that we could try to subject into a situation that keeps us from hearing what God's speaking or what he's taking us to or what he's wanting to do through us. So she's standing there at noon, not wanting to be around anybody because Jesus reveals in her conversation that, that she has been divorced five times. Now, one of the things you look at this woman in this time a woman could not choose in this culture, in this community, this time, they could not choose to be divorced. So a lot of times we look at it, and at least I looked at it a lot of times in this conversation, that, you know, she's just kind of, she's, she's a little hussy, right? She's out there, she's been doing her thing, it's been a little crazy, and she's kind of living the results of that, and she's kind of there. But when you really think about it, when you really look at it, this woman has been rejected five times. Five times she's looked for a promise of provision. Five times she's looked for a promise of love. Five times she's looked for that affirmation of, uh, uh, of, of love and kindness from somebody else. In their time, if you did not have a husband, your purpose was lost. You were looked down upon even lower than the lowest of lows. Her purpose, her dreams, all sense of fulfillment had been shattered. She had been rejected five times. And now she's standing there in front of Jesus and she's talking to him with all of the weight and the guilt and the shame and the pain of her rejection. And she's acknowledging even more that now she's living with a man that may be married to somebody else and she's possibly doing to someone else what they've done to her and she's got all of this stuff going on. Can you say she's got, like Pastor Fred, a heavy backpack? She's standing there, and she's in the midst of this, wanting to be away, wanting to be isolated. And Jesus is saying, hey, I've got something for you. And she's saying, if only you knew. If only you knew what had been done to me. If only you knew the pain that I had. If only you knew the things that I've done. If only you knew the mistakes I've made. If only, if only, if only. And Jesus, instead of saying that's so true, that's so right, Jesus just swipes those away, swipes those away. And he says, listen, I want you to look at things differently. I want you to hear the if only I have for you. Because they're standing there and they're having this conversation about water. And it's a comical conversation because Jesus is saying, hey, I want some water. And he doesn't want anything to do with the water that's in front of them. And, and he starts talking about this water. And he starts talking saying, hey, I want this water. And she's like, who are you? And who do you think you are? And you don't even have a bucket, man. Like, how are you going to get water? And you're asking me, a woman, what is going on here? And Jesus is saying, I don't want that water. What I want you to get is this living water, this water that will never run dry. And she says, oh my gosh, that's what I need. Because we all like the new thing, right? We all like the new shiny thing. We're all going through our life and we're driving around our car and it's a little stinky, it's a little dirty, and you're like, I don't even feel like washing it. And then you see the nice new car, right? Or one of your friends gets a nice new car. Like Terrence just got a new car. I'm getting ready to see if I'm gonna judge him, right? And see if I like his car better than mine. And so it's that new shiny thing. It's, it's in front of you. You're just like, oh, that new, it would fix things. It would change things. And so she says, I need this. I need this new thing. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. You want a distraction. You don't need a distraction. What you need is a true source of life. See, she keeps bringing these if onlys. If only I had a new thing. If only you knew. If only. And Jesus is saying, look at your if onlys completely different. She's completely misunderstanding the situation that's in front of her. And Jesus is saying to her, listen, if only you could see that your misunderstandings can be a place of revelation. 
Because sometimes we can look at a situation and we get frustrated. We get discouraged with where we are and what we see and what's taking place. We look at a situation and we say, man, look what they did to, the, to me. Look what happened to me. If only I had this. And we're looking everywhere else instead of what's in front of us. And Jesus is saying, if you look at what's in front of us, look at what's in front of you. You can actually see, instead of hurt and pain and shame, you could actually see that that's a place that I'm revealing myself to you. I'm offering the deepest sense of grace. I'm offering the deepest sense of love and forgiveness that in your deepest pains and the most hard places that you find yourself at, Jesus is standing there saying, hey, listen, I want to reveal myself to you here. Don't wait. Don't put it off and don't say if only, if only this and only this could happen or if only this wouldn't have happened. Jesus is where you are saying he wants to reveal himself to you now. And he's saying, open your eyes. So he says, if only we could see our misunderstandings could be an opportunity for revelation. If only we could see that we get a chance to be honest about our motivations in moments of uncertainty. See, when things are going on and we can feel the pressure of life and we feel things kind of going around, we know. We know when we say those if-only statements. Even if you don't say if-only, just go with me, right? You know those moments where you're just saying, if only this. Those are moments that when we can be honest that God's speaking to us and he's really beginning to bring out some of that deep stuff that's been there that keeps us from stepping into what he has for us, stepping into his will, walking in his will. Those things that present resistance in our life and those moments God's saying, there it is. And he's revealing it to us in the moment so that we can take that and say, I don't want it anymore. I want what you have. So these if-only moments can be huge. Another big one is when we look at change the story from her to the disciples, and this is where we're going to be spending the most of our time today, is Jesus saying, if only you could see the possibilities of the unthinkable. See, she's sitting there in her situation. She's like, look at my mess. Look at how bad it is. Look at how jacked up I am. And Jesus is saying, that's the very thing I'm going to use to change your life and help you find the path to hope and you be able to be able to reveal hope to others. She, in the, in the story we got to in, the, in verse something 28, 9, somewhere in there, she's running off and she goes, she goes, Jesus told me everything I did. She went from, yeah, I don't have a husband, to, he told me everything I did, everything. Like, would you ever be excited and running around if somebody said, hey, I know everything you did. Let's go down the list, right? Would you be excited about that? No, you'd want to run from that person. <laughs> you wouldn't want to, she was excited. She was ecstatic because Jesus had exposed, not her as a false person, but he had exposed her true need and said, I see you for who you are. And I see what you can do. And I can see if you submit yourself to me, what you're going to be. Amen. She's like, Jesus showed me everything I've did. What was her mess is now her joy because she has found the true meaning and true purpose of Jesus and she can turn everything around because she sees that Jesus has turned everything around. And you can look at your situation completely different and see that something that is unthinkable in this moment could actually be the thing that God wants to use. His disciples comes up in the moment as, as we get ready to jump into where we are today and you're like, good Lord, this is his introduction. Yes, it is. But I promise you, it probably won't be long. But the disciples, they come up in the situation, and, and, and all this stuff is going on, and they see Jesus talking to a Samaritan who is a woman, who is an adulterer. They see, and they walk up, and they're just like, uh, hey, Jesus, <laughs> do you know what's going on here? It's an unthinkable situation. 
Jesus was involved in something for them. They're just like, do you understand what you're doing? Like, do you get what's taking place here? It was completely unthinkable for them. And a lot of times we look at situations, we look at things that, we're, that are present in our life, and there's no way God can do anything from that. There's no way that God could do anything through this situation. If I went there, if I connected with that person, if I served there, if I did, it would be unthinkable. Nothing good could come of it. And there's moments that God says, stop and really listen. Because the very thing that you think is unthinkable could be the very thing that I want you to be involved in. We've got to stop and listen and stop saying, if only. If only you understood, God. And God completely understands. He knows exactly what we need. And he's willing and ready to reveal those things to us. And so today, it moves us to this place. We're talking about the elephant we've got in the room today. And it's the anything but elephant. And that's just one T. Let's pray. You're going to get that when I pray and it's going to be funny. Father, I just pray in these next few moments. That you will speak to us, you will challenge us, and you will open our hearts to the goodness of who you are. No matter what's said in this place, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will take a hold of every word. Your Holy Spirit will plant seeds in each of our hearts. God, that the hearing of your word will bring faith. And if anything, that we walk out of this place today different because we've been in contact with you. Because you've touched our hearts. You've touched our souls. God, we pray that those things happen. And we pray at any moment that air conditioner comes on as well. Amen. John chapter 4. John chapter 4 verse 30 is where we're going to be at today. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Jesus is my hero. I'm just going to say Jesus is my hero. I love Jesus. He has no food in his hand. He's been talking to somebody that they think he shouldn't have been talking to. And they're just like, Jesus, here's your sandwich. And he's like, hey, I already got food. And they're just like, what is he talking about? He was just messing with people all the time. I loved it. Verse 33. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? Disciples asked each other. Verse 34, then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me, and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up, look around, the fields are already ripe for harvest. So as we go through and we look at these, we're going to jump at a couple verses and we're going to look at the anything but elephant that can be in our lives and in this church or in the massive church as a whole. These things that we can just say anything but. So the first one we're going to look at here is found in verse 35 where Jesus says, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. So Jesus speaks to them and he says this, four months. So the first one we're going to look at here is the anything but this. Anything but this. And we've had, each of us have had these moments, I'm sure, in our own lives. See, this saying here is Jesus is kind of pulling in. It's another thing. Jesus liked to mess with people, but Jesus was very current and very aware of what they said and what they were thinking at the time. So this is a common phrase for them. You know the saying, four months. So it's for us, it's like the phrase, you know, the saying for us is like, hey, you got time. It's okay. Everything's going to work out. Just chill out, man. 
Kim's favorite one. It is what it is. Those types of things. Like, it's those sayings that, that God is just, Jesus is saying this right now in this moment. Just like, hey, you know the saying. You're saying all the time. Hey, we've got time. Don't worry about it. Just chill. It'll work itself out. That's what you're saying right now. And that's the saying that he's pulling out to them. Here in this moment, Jesus is subtly but not so subtly at the same time revealing to the disciples how unaware, how ignorant, and how blind they are to what's taking place. See, he's subtly but not so subtly saying, hey, listen, you're letting your prejudices, you're letting all of these things that, that you can see as unthinkable and impossible, you're letting your traditions, you're letting your mindsets, you're letting ignorance and pride and fear cloud your mind and you're not seeing what's really taking place in this moment. And see, the disciples are standing here in this moment, and they see Jesus talking to a Sumerian. They see Jesus in the middle of the Sumerian town, and this woman's all excited, running, screaming, Jesus told me all that I did. And they're like, eat. And he's like, I don't need your food. God's already given me food. And he's like, open your eyes. Wake up is what he says in the next following verse. Just wake up and look at what I'm doing. He's revealing to them and saying, listen, there are moments and there are times that you find yourself in a situation and you say anything but this. It's just this unexpected moment that happens and just takes place in life. Sometimes something, maybe it breaks down or maybe you find yourself in a conversation with somebody at a store and you're like, seriously, anybody but this person. And you go through, I mean, there's just those, those moments Maybe God moves you to a town and you're like, I don't know why God's moved me here and I don't know what's taking place. It's the last thing I wanted to do. It's the last place I wanted to go. And you could say anything but this. And God is saying to us and he's speaking to us. He's saying, listen, open up your eyes and see. Because often as we live our lives, we find ourselves in unexpected moments where we say anything but this. And we see our preferences have been disrupted. We see our opinions have been challenged. We see that our, our schedules have been disrupted and our comforts have been attacked. But in these moments, we need to hear Jesus saying to us, wake up. You need to hear him saying, wake up. Look at what's really taking place. Because here's the deal. So here's one of the big things that was baffling me about this story is the disciples are following Jesus. That means in their time, they said, hey, I give up everything. I give up everything to follow this man. I'm gonna give up my job. I'm gonna give up my family. I'm gonna give up any possible future that I had had. I'm gonna give it all up and I'm gonna follow Jesus. Now they find themselves in a place that would for them traditionally be somewhere they wouldn't want themselves to be doing things that they wouldn't want to do, and they're in that moment sitting there questioning Jesus. They're sitting there saying, what are you doing? Uh, i got to interject here. I have some wisdom that I want to share with you. And so what we talked about last week is, is that when we hold our opinions too high, we begin to question and doubt the authority that Jesus has in our life. And so they find themselves in this place where they're saying, hey, listen, uh, we don't know what's taking place here. And we can find ourselves in that. Why am I here? I don't know what's going on. Maybe your job relocates you and you say, okay, I'm here. I'm just going to do the task. I'm going to fly low. I'm just going to go under the radar. I'll be here. I'm going to eat some lunch. And then one day we're going to be gone. And your if only is, if only we could be somewhere else. If only I could go somewhere else. And then you say, I'm only going to be here for a short amount of time. Or I'm only doing this. Or I really don't want to be here. So I'm going to do anything but this. And you begin to fill in the blanks and you begin to fill in the blanks. So what happens is, is we're decreasing the possibilities and the potential that God has placed in us and we're making our lives smaller instead of allowing God to expose what he wants to do in us and making our lives bigger. 
And so we go through and we look at stuff and we say, I'm willing to do this and I'm willing to do that or I want to do that, but anything but this. And a lot of times it's the biggest things. It's those moments. It's the, it's the internal stuff that we're struggling with. We've got these opinions of what things should be like. And we've got these mindsets of the way they should be. Or, or, or because of the way we've been raised. Or, or, or what's going on. We, we, this is the way it should be. And I don't want anything but that. I, I don't want anything. I don't want anything to do with that. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And we allow those things to dictate to us what God's doing or can do or should do. Instead of looking and seeing what God is doing. We've got to be willing to open ourselves up and look at it differently. So to help us do that, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 and 3. Because really the truth of the matter is, is in those moments that we find ourselves resisting what we know to be good, those are moments that we should lean into instead of moments that we run from. Because those are the moments that God's beginning to reveal something to us that we need to be aware of. In Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, it says this. We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. And one of the things I love about this story is, is that the disciples are standing here and they're just saying, uh, this is unthinkable. Uh, Jesus, you're kind of freaking us out a little bit right now and, and you're making us a little suspicious and we're a little uncomfortable. And, and so they're standing there at the moment, but then Jesus speaks to them and they completely just open themselves up and we say, we're willing. And they begin to step and they begin to walk into it. It's just like Pastor Fred talked about this morning and his thing. And I love how the, Celeste, God just placed something in her heart. And Pastor Fred had something on his heart. And he just began to share it. And it all intertwines together. It all works together. We didn't plan that. We didn't sit in the office and say, hey, God is speaking. So there's moments and there's times that there's little things that God asks you to do. That there's little things that he puts in front of you. And you would say anything but this. It's beneath me. It's below me. It's something I don't want to do. It's something I don't have time for. It's against, and you start whatever it is, and you begin to say, so, say those things and look at those things, and you say that, and it's the little stuff that God's saying. It's an opportunity. Step it. Just say, are you willing? Just like Pastor Fred was saying, drop the bag or drop all that stuff and say, I'm willing. I'm willing to take that step. I'm willing to go. And that's where we find ourselves in Proverbs chapter 1, verse, or Proverbs 16, verse 1. This reveals to us that how we do this is, is that what we should do, and if you look at my Bible here, and I don't have time to turn to it, but I've got it highlighted, underlined, I've got it starred, and I've got all these things that says, do this every day. And I need to put comma, moron, all right? <laughs> Just like, I need to do these things every day because it's so easy to forget. But this is what we should do every day. Then in verse 1, we see that it is God who prepares us for good works. We step up every day and say, okay, I'm going to do something good. I'm ready to do something good. And then all of a sudden something happens and we say anything but that, anything but this. And we begin to walk through. But instead, we need to start our mornings. We need to re-engage ourselves and say, God, today I look to you. And he prepares our hearts for good works. He begins to open our eyes to the situations that we're present in. Where otherwise we look at it and we say, nope, not that, nope, not that. We begin to open our eyes and see it for what God sees it for. And we say, okay, I'm, I'm stepping into that. Okay, I'm walking into that. That we need to take our time and we say, hey, we've got our plans, but he's got the right answer. See, he is the one that prepares us. Secondly, the reason this is important in verse 2 is, is because of our ignorance, because of our pride, because of fear, because of prejudices, because of, of, of likes and dislikes, and because of all of the stuff that makes us all jacked up and makes us have heavy backpacks, all of that stuff that we're carrying. It makes us an impartial judge. It makes us a limited judge of our own life and our own situations. 
See, we think that we can go in and we say, oh, I know what's right. I know what I need to do. And we just go in without even asking God, without even asking others that are godly people to speak into our lives. And we just say, this is what's got to be done. And we have a limited view. We have a partial view of being able to judge our realities. We need to re-engage, refocus ourselves in verse 3. We commit our actions to the Lord. And then your plans will be able to succeed. In this verse, it's a promise that your thoughts are made easy, that your mind is made easy, that your spirit is at rest and at peace when you submit your will to God. When you say, God, I want your will done. I want anything to be done except for mine. God, I just look to you. Here's my plans for today. Here's what I want to do today. But in this life, I know that there's going to be moments that are going to pop up that are unexpected, and they're going to be anything but this moments. And I'm going to choose, God, they're going to be anything for you moments. That's the way God wants us to live, that we take our lives in our control and we take it in our hands and we don't walk around saying, I don't want to do, but instead we say, God, I want to do whatever you have for me. That's the way God wants us to live. That's the way that he wants us to look. So secondly, the anything but that, anything but that, to dig a little deeper into what we were just talking about and a little bit further into what we were saying, Jesus, if you go back to verse 34, he says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. One of my favorite commentators, he puts it this way on this verse. The main business of life is not to, av- to avoid fatigue or to seek the supply of our own temporal wants, but to do the will of God. The mere supply of our temporal necessities, though most people make it an object of their chief solution, is a small consideration in the sight of him who has just views of the great design of human life. It's good stuff right there. That we need to, we, we need to align ourselves and live our lives where Jesus is saying, listen, it's not about the food that you have. It's not about the clothing that you get. It's not about the job that you have. It's not about the success that you get. It's not about the value from relationships that you have. It's not about all of that stuff. That what sustains you, what drives you, what moves you, what motivates you should be and has to be the will of God. And it's something that's possible to you. It becomes a living water. It becomes something that springs up in you. It makes you new. It makes you strong. It makes you able. It makes you willing to because you are his. And you look at it and say, I can live my life for him. And I'm not looking at what I shouldn't do or what I don't want to do. But I look at it as I get to do. And it's a shift that happens in us, and it's the way that God wants us to live, and that we're not sustained on what we have, on, on what we can get from this world, but we're sustained and we're fulfilled in who Jesus is and what we have because of him and what he's done on the cross. We can see it in Job chapter 23, verse 12. Job says this, I have not departed from his commands, but have treasured his words more than daily food. So he regarded the command of God more than his own purposes. That's where God wants us to live. That's where he wants us to hang out. That's the camp he wants us to stay in. He wants us to put our tent up there. That God, whatever you have for me, that's what I want. God, whatever your will is, that's my will. God, when I step into a moment that makes me uncomfortable, I'm not going to worry about my comfort. God, I'm going to worry about what your will is. When I step into a moment that makes me and gives me opportunity to talk to somebody that I really don't like, I'm not going to ignore that moment. I'm not going to run from that moment. I'm going to step into that moment. Because God, I'm not going to live my life saying anything but that. I'm going to live my life saying anything for you. That's what he wants us to do. That's where he wants us to live. We can see all throughout scripture 
that when we choose to keep instead of sacrifice, it causes us to miss out on divine opportunity. When you look at Jonah and look at the life that he lived, Jonah, because of his pride and his arrogance and his unwillingness, Jonah went through all kinds of pain and went through some nasty stuff. Living in the belly of a fish and getting vomited up on the beach is not something you want to put on your resume. But that's what Jonah had on his resume. And he did it because of his pride, because of his arrogance, because of his unwillingness to do something that God was asking him to do. And he was unwilling because it was a place that he didn't want to go. It was a people that he did not want to be with. It was a people that he felt like were unworthy of salvation. Unworthy of God's grace. Unworthy. He just did not want to be there. He didn't want to do it. And because of that, he found himself on the other side of God's grace. And he found himself on the other side of God's plans and God's purposes. And he was fighting it the whole time. And he was missing out on the divine opportunities that God had for him. The Israelites... In Exodus chapter 16 and 17, you see them in the situations. And I missed my opportunity, but in chapter 16, it starts off in the New Living Translation. The Israelites are saying, if only, that would have been a great verse for last week. But so they're starting off, if only we would have stayed in Egypt. Because at least there we were eating good and we had roofs over our head. If only. And they look back and then God, through their grumbling and all these things, begins to provide for them and take care of them. But it's never enough. It's never good enough for them. They finally get quail falling out of the sky and it's exactly what they need. They get bread falling out of the sky and it's exactly what they need. And everything's taken care of for them. And then they get to a place that they've been doing that for days and they're happy. And then they get to a new place and then they say, we're thirsty. Now we need water. But instead of just like, hey, we need water. You did this. You're awesome. You can do it again. It's like, God, we need water you've given us the worst leader in the world and they're just grumbling and they're complaining their heart and their mindset is constantly on I want to be there instead of where I am I want that instead of what you have God I'm not willing to trust you I'm not willing to say I'm willing to do anything it's I want my comforts I want all of these things and they find themselves on the other side of divine opportunity they find themselves in a place that they have to wait to die so that their, their offspring can get the promise that was promised to them. We have to look at things a little differently in our lives. And I love this story because it shows the possibilities where the disciples, they say, this is weird. This is different. This is unthinkable. This is against my comfort. I don't know if I'm going to be okay with this. I don't know if I have what it takes to do this, but I'm going to do it. And they stepped into it. And look what God did through them that we're still talking about today. Instead of looking at things and saying anything but, anything but this and anything but that, we need to say, God, I'm ready, I'm, I'm ready and I'm willing to step into what you have for me. Even if it goes against all wisdom, all pride and sense of comfort, if it is his will, we need to be willing. If you want to be a part of something that is miraculous, or if you want to be a part of something that is anything but miraculous, you have to be willing to say anything, Lord. See, if you're walking through a situation right now and you're saying, hey, listen, man, I, I would love, I would love if my kids were a little bit more patient and a little bit more loving. I would love if my kids were a little bit more obedient. I would love if in, instead of saying anything but that, anything but this, you need to say anything, Lord. Because there's things he's going to call you to as a parent that you're going to have to do that's tough. It's going to go against your comfort. It's going to go against what you want to do. It's going to go against what seems reasonable at times. But it's the right thing to do. And you have to say anything, Lord. 
I'm willing, I'm ready, I'm able to do this. If you're looking at it, you say, man, if I was only a part of a church, that. And you can fill it in. And I'm telling you, as the pastor of this campus, I'm t- there's a lot of things that are not where we want them to be at this church. And you can fill in the blank with a lot of different things that this church isn't. But I can tell you what this church is. It's a church that loves Jesus and wants to do anything that Jesus has for us. And you can find a lot of reasons to not participate in this church. And you can find a lot of reasons to not step into the fullness of what God has for you in this church. And you can go through and you can fill that blank in all day long just on my junk, right? You can go through and just fill it in all day long. But instead of saying anything but, you need to look at this church where God has placed you if this is your church. And you need to say anything, Lord. Anything, Lord. I'm willing to. I'm willing to step into it. I'm willing to do it. I'm, I'm just going to get a little honest with you. I know it's hot. I know you're sweating. I know you're miserable. And I know you're tired and it's beautiful outside and you want to go outside. But I've only got a few more minutes, so just stick with me here. But I'm just telling you, if you want to be a part of something miraculous, you've got to be in a place where you're saying anything, Lord. We look at churches sometimes and we say, man, look at that church and how awesome it is. We don't realize the years and years of stories of lives that we're willing to say anything, Lord. And the pain that they had to go through, the sacrifice they had to go through, all the things that they had to to deal with and carry and lug and lay carpet and set up speakers and put up drapes and deal with hot rooms, all of that stuff. And then 20 years down the road, people are like, this is a great church, this is an amazing church. And somebody else is sitting there going, if only. Man, because they're unwilling to do anything but. You look at your own life, you look at your job, you look at your families, you look at those situations, you can look at anywhere. If only I had that job, if only I had that, if only I had that, and every if only comes with anything but. And we have to be willing to say, is what we want and is what we know God is right and what he's willed for us, is it big enough, is it good enough to say anything, Lord? And that's the true question that we have to answer for ourselves. And it's a true reality that we have to deal with on a regular basis. And I'm saying for us this morning, one of the big elephants that's here, just to be honest with the church, and if you're visiting today, you can go to sleep for just a second. But those of you that say, hey, this is my church. If we want something to happen that's beyond what we see, we can't let a few do the work of what God's given us all to do. We have to step in and say, anything, Lord, I'm willing to. If you want your family to be the family that you look at and say, wow, it's a family that can share to others how to be a great family. You have to, as a parent, you have to, as a child, be willing to step in and say, these are the responsibilities that I have to do. These are the weights that I have to carry. And I know that God's going to make it easier. And I know that I'm going to find joy in them. And I'm willing to do it. And I'm willing to say, anything, Lord. That's where we need to be at. That's where our perspective and our heart needs to be. The disciples could have said, anything but that. I refuse to reach out to those people. They could have been a Jonah. They could have just walked away. They could have been an Israelite and just mumbled and grumbled through the whole thing and never got to see the reality of what God designed and planned for them. But instead they said, anything, Lord. Anything, Lord. So this morning for us in this church, 
Jesus is saying to us, whether you come here or not, whether you're just a follower of Christ and you're living your life and you go to church somewhere else and you're never going to come here again, Jesus is saying to each and every one of us, wake up, look up, look what's in front of you. Look what's in front of you. Look at the opportunity that God has given you. Today may be just an ordinary day that you're going to the well with your pains and with your hurts and your grief and your shame. And you're just going to the well. But today is a day that Jesus is saying, look up. And you see that you have an opportunity that's beyond your imagination. You see that you have a reality that is defined for you and that is able for you to be your present life if you just say, I'm willing. I'm willing. God, I'm willing. I'm ready. I'm willing. I want to do it. And you run with an excitement. And you run off. And you're just like, Jesus, he knows who I am. He knows how jacked up I am. He knows all of my stuff. And in his knowing that, you find freedom. You find joy. You find peace. You find the ability to do what you think is unthinkable. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself sharing your pain and your grief. And those things that you are carrying become the very thing that helps others to find Christ as well. And we're going to get more into that next week, so I can't go too far on that. But look up. Look at what's in front of you. Look at what you can be a part of. Stop waiting for one day. Stop waiting for one day. What is your if-onlys? What is your anything buts? What are you willing to sacrifice and abandon at the command of God? What are you willing to say, I'm willing. I can do that. If you can answer those questions, you can begin to see what God has for you and what he wants you to step into. I'm telling you, it's one that's bigger than you can imagine. And I want that for you as a follower of Christ. I want that for you as a church. I want that for us as a church. I want to see the church not just staggering through this world anymore. I want this church, I want to see the church. This church is doing amazing things. So I'm not downplaying what God's doing to the church. Because, I mean, there's a miraculous things happening around the world. But come on, let's be honest at the same time. There's more of us. We can do a little bit more. Because we can walk with hope and joy and say, Jesus has made everything possible. Instead of walking around and saying, if only I had this. If only I had that. I'm unwilling to do that, anything but that. Instead, if we walked around and said, yes, he's given me everything I need, and I'm willing to do everything he's given me. Can you imagine what the church would look like? Can you imagine what your life would look like? Can you imagine what my life would look like? Can we imagine together and say, man, this is what God can do. And the worship team comes up. There's a beautiful picture of this in our church. This morning, we take time to recognize different people, and this morning I just want to recognize Stacia Wilson. She's one of these persons who just says, anything, Lord. I mean, there's moments where she just goes through and she's just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to go here. And she's been trying to find her place and find all those things. And, and, and she has been such an amazing grace to this church in so many ways. She's helped our kid life team grow. She's helped so many people lo be loved and cared for when nobody else was able to be there to do it. She's just an amazing person. She's recently, she's taken on a new role that she felt like God's just given her to do. And, and, and I'm just telling you, she's just doing it with such, with such a grace. And she's just doing things that are just so amazing. And Michelle will be like, hey, Stacia's doing this for this person. Hey, Stacia's doing this for this person. Hey, did you know that we're doing this? Hey, did you know Stacia Oregon? I'm just like, good Lord, she's amazing. And it's because of her heart. She says, I'm willing, Lord. I'm willing, Lord. And if we can have more people like that, if we can have more, and I know there's so many of you out there, maybe I'm just the one that needs to turn around, but let's just be honest for a moment. If we're all in a place where we say, Lord, we are willing. 
and we put, a, put aside our fear, put aside our opinions, we put aside our, our prejudices, we put aside all of those things and we say, I'll go to them, I'll go there. God, the, the pain and the guilt that I've been carrying, all of the weight of those things, I'm gonna let them lay in your lap and I'm gonna let you use them to be things that help me reach other people. God, I'm willing, I'm ready. God, here I am, can you use me? So this morning, let's be like Jesus and let's be like Stacia, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. Stacia, we love you so much. And we got a gift card. We know that you love coffee, so here you go. Be caffeinated. <laughs> so listen, this morning, I just want us to, just to look at it and say, hey, there's some things I've got to look at in my own life. There's a conversation I've got to let Jesus have with me. And he's going to talk about some things and he's going to reveal some things that could be painful. He's going to reveal some things that could be awkward. He could reveal some things where you can say, wow, I didn't realize that was my motivation. Wow, I didn't realize that was my heart. Wow, I didn't realize that was my desire. I didn't realize I was walking away from that opportunity. I didn't realize that I was missing out on that. I just want you to know with joy and excitement this morning, that that's not a conversation you're gonna have that's gonna leave you belittled and hurt and buried in shame. It's gonna be a conversation that's gonna have you running around with your hands in the air saying, look what Jesus has done. Look at what he's given me an opportunity to do. Look at the freedom that I found. Look at the life that I found in Jesus. I'm just saying, have that conversation with him. I've been having it and it's been fun. It's been absolutely fun. It's been jacking me up in every possible way. I'm crying all the time when I'm just going down the road. I know I'm a big baby anyways, but I'm just telling you, God begins to speak and things just begin to change when you say, God, I'm willing to look at what you have and I'm willing to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. So every head I head bowed and eye closed. Father, I just pray in this room right now for every one of us. We said we've made that vow of devotion to you and that we've committed our lives to be followers of Jesus. Father, I pray, Lord, that you give us the power through your Holy Spirit to be aware of the divine opportunities that are in front of us. God, give us the strength to stop walking away from things because of fear, walking away from things because of our opinions or walking away from things because of dislikes or likes. God, help us to embrace the moments that you have right in front of us. God, let our hearts be in a place where we say, Lord, we're willing. God, this morning, we, may we hear you screaming and shouting to us, wake up, look up, the harvest is ripe. God, may we see what you see. Father, if there's anybody in this room that does not have a relationship with you, they find themselves apart from you. Father, I pray right now that your look up to them, your wake up to them. God, is that you scream and shout the promise of life through your son, Jesus Christ. If that's you here this morning, all you have to do, you don't have to do it with me, you don't have to say anything special. All you have to do is to say, Lord, I need you to be the Lord of my life. I make a vow of devotion to go where you go and do what you do and say what you say. I'm committed to you. You are Lord, and I know you are life. If you do that, you say that, and you need to say that, come talk to me or Pastor Fred after service. We'd love to talk to you. But at this moment, 
I say amen so that we can all just walk out of this place ready and willing to do whatever God has for us. See you back next week.